We're back with Adam Levin, founder of the international cybersecurity firm CyberScout, to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity. Understand the landscape of COVID-19 scams and learn how you can protect yourself as an individual and a business owner as the world turns even more digital during these pandemic times. Meet the leaders shaping the new era of credit. This is the Vantage Core Podcast. Today, we talk to Adam Levin, founder of CyberScout and Credit.com. How many times have people sent an email that, let's say, had the wrong word in it, and all of a sudden, law enforcement gets interested in them? So there are certain trigger words. There are certain keywords that the National Security Agency and others are listening for, watching. And therefore, obviously, there's been huge debate in Congress over how far you can go, because we have the Patriot Act, we have a system in place which is supposed to be protecting us. And to some extent, we can actually use the law to protect us, but just be careful. And I always say to people, anything you put in an email, assume could end up as skywriting. So be careful what you say, be careful what you say, it, and never, ever, forgetting even the government, it's the issue of anything that's that could be hacked, will be hacked. So. Don't put sensitive information in text. Don't put sensitive information in email. If you need to send sensitive information, fax it, but just make sure you know who's standing on the other end of the fax or call someone on the phone who you're doing business with and give them, let's say, your bank routing number or your bank account number, things like that. According to the Identity Theft Resource Center, the number of data breaches for this year is down by 33%. They attribute that to the fact that there is so much personal identifiable information that is out there as a result of all of the breaches, all of the phishing attacks, and all of the oversharing on social media. But that being said, while the hacking is down per se, the scams have increased dramatically because this is scams are like low-hanging fruit. You just cast a wide net. You focus on a particular subject of interest, those subjects of interest being protective gear, hotspots, updates, stimulus payments, unemployment compensation, tracing, tracking, testing, taxes, because as you know, the tax filing date was extended from April to July. And there were many questions about that, as well as travel-related scams. And now the whole issue with the massive amounts of spam-related political communications we're getting, along with with everyone operating, shopping online, you're getting spam related to products and services. So it's, it's a lot of noise going on out there, and people are trying to focus on their way through the noise, and hackers thrive on the existence of this noise. A lot of the illegal activity that goes on, whether it has to do with human trafficking, child pornography, or the purchase and sale of sensitive information online occurs in the dark web. So think of it as these are places in the internet that aren't easily accessible unless you have real expertise and the right software, and in some cases, the right connections. Again, they can purchase everything from names and addresses email addresses, phone numbers, all the way straight up to FOLS, which includes medical information, social security numbers, license information, 
and the like. And think of this as the marketplace where all of this buying and selling goes on and dark web monitoring notifies you if email's been compromised, your cell phone number's been compromised. Uh, it might even be able to notify you as to whether uh, photographs or images of you are floating around on the dark web. Um, so it is important to get it. Uh, another feature that's very important is, is called either me, not me, or instant notification, uh, which is where anytime there is activity involving your social security number, you're immediately notified. And in some cases, you will get a, a text from your financial institution uh, or a merchant basically saying someone is attempting to open an account in your name right now. Is it you? Yes or no? The cloud can be secure, but the danger is that depending upon what you're backing up your device on, if it is connected 24-7 to the internet and ransomware is running through it, you have that problem. The other issue with backing stuff up into the cloud is there is this very strange disconnect between the cloud service providers and a lot of the businesses that make data available to store on the cloud. And for some reason, there are businesses that aren't necessarily as cyber secure as they should be. They then put their data into cloud storage. And unfortunately, it's not a long and strong password that's protecting it. There are not other forms of protection that it has. And that information is discovered or leaked or possibly breached. Then everyone's sitting around going, but I thought you, as the cloud provider, as the storage provider, you protected me. And the storage providers say, well, we have protected you to a certain extent, but if you misconfigure the information and then you put it up there, you don't properly protect it, look at the contract. We're not liable, you are. So this is where there are a number of disconnects. That's why consumers, yeah, store yourself on the cloud, but also back it up so that you don't lose it. Or if there's an incident, you don't find yourself with no backup whatsoever. My recommendation to businesses, and for some businesses, is not a cheap date, but it could end up being less expensive than if you have an incident, is that businesses should provide VPNs and they should provide digital devices that are work-only devices to their employees. Because if you don't, then you run the risk that your employee is going to use a personal device. That device may end up being shared with their children. Even something as simple as... You're in a restaurant with your six-year-old. All you want is a little peace and quiet. You will do anything to do that. So you hand your kid your mobile device. And without you knowing it, and unwittingly, they click on the wrong link. So kids can become weapons of mass destruction within a family. <laughs> and that's why there should be work-only devices that people should be serious about their devices. And Frankly, it is in the company's best interest to supply those because if you do get breached between the regulatory nightmare, loss of trust, potential class action litigation, loss of relationships with third-party vendors, all of that combined could be far more expensive than whatever it costs you to supply those devices that have the security on it that you want because you make sure it's on there or you might even require them on their personal device to put specific security apps on there. And some of those apps are really very tough when it comes to you downloading any other app. So it's really up to the 
the risk aversion of an organization. But again, businesses should be practicing also the three M's because it's a whole new world for businesses with people working so remotely. As you know, Zoom went through a period of time where they were called out for what was perceived to be insecure security practices, which, for example, Zoom bombing, where people were able to enter a Zoom call and represent things that were either racist or sexist or outrageous. Child pornography showed up during some Zoom meetings because there were some very uh, sick people out there that thought that was humorous, which it isn't. Zoom went to work. They worked on end-to-end encryption, waiting rooms, password protections, ways that you could throw people out of a meeting and keep them locked out. So they spent a lot of time and a lot of money figuring it out because they had no concept of how huge Zoom would become. I think they went from 10 million to almost 300 million people that were using Zoom. That, that was a big jump. I don't think they were expecting it. They were thrilled, but they weren't expecting it. And I think you know many forms of communication are secure, but it's all about also, are the devices secure? Are the networks secure? Are people taking all the right security precautions with it? But this also goes back to encryption being critical for businesses, education, teaching their people how to look for signs of a problem, to be aware of threats. So again, it all goes back to the three M's. A lot of people say use a credit card because it has greater protection than a debit card. It certainly has greater protection than cash because with cash, if you find a problem, it's not like you can call your credit card company and say, I want to take my cash back. So as more and more people are operating online and you have things like e-skimming, which is where malware is placed on popular retail websites. And when someone enters their credit card or debit card information, that data is being collected and transmitted to the hackers. Plus the fact that people that sometimes put in the wrong numbers, they sometimes go to the wrong website. They sometimes click on a link that will take them to a website that's a clone site that looks exactly like the site they think they're on. And they attempt to buy something and they're actually giving their financial data to hackers. So without question, whereas with the chip cards, not quite as good as chip and pin, but with chip cards and contactless payment cards, we've seen a significant decrease in fraud when it comes to card present transactions. There has been a fairly large increase in card not present payment transactions. If a news event occurs or something of moment occurs, what they'll do is they'll find ways to create these ads and they will get them on the different websites. And that's why we always say, go to the source if you don't want remorse. So if it's news related, then go to whatever your favorite news channel is. If it deals with a specific product or service, Amazon, for instance, or any of the retailers or financial institutions, and you see something coming across your screen by way of a banner ad or an email or text, don't click on the link. Don't open the attachment. Go straight to whoever the retailer is or the bank, and then do your transaction there. Or use an app 
that you got from the Apple Store or Google Play that it relates to that particular organization and do it that way. Whenever you're dealing in an urban environment, you're dealing in a situation where there's a lot of noise, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of networks. That's why even for you as a consumer, when you walk in somewhere and you're offered a network and it's presumably secure, that you make sure that you're clicking on the right network link because there are many networks that are designed to um, look like the right network, but they're not. So yeah, you could be more vulnerable in an urban environment, but then again, oftentimes the technology is more sophisticated depending upon the city and depending upon the provider that you're using. Also, very important to make sure that you change the password on your router. Don't use manufacturer default passwords. Change the passwords on your Internet of Things devices, and there are many of them. And read the manual, change the password, because the passwords on so many of these devices are manufactured default passwords that are available for sale on the dark web. When you're dealing with something like COVID, which is totally terrifying to everybody, the one thing that's always stressed is hygiene. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, you socially distance, possibly you wipe down packages that you receive, although the CDC said there's less of a chance of that kind of danger. If you go into a public facility, either make sure if you're sitting somewhere that you wipe it down or that you Make sure that the facility you're going to has stressed the fact that they're doing everything they can in order to sanitize those places where people are going to be. The same thing with cybersecurity, cyber hygiene, everything from, as we've talked about, password hygiene, two-factor authentication, monitoring, not opening things and being careful with the way you operate. So I think what it's doing is creating a thought process as a result of all of the different protections you have to take in terms of avoiding exposure to this, or if you have a problem, taking care of it immediately. Go to the doctor, get the test, self-isolate, shelter in place, and you take that and then put it toward cybersecurity comes up with the same thing. Always be looking for vulnerabilities, patch the vulnerabilities as quickly as possible. Always be monitoring, always be checking your credit, always be looking at your credit scores, have a damage control program in place so you can respond urgently, transparently, and empathetically. If you think about it, it's really a parallel situation. Now, there are certain issues that people have to really be focused on, especially because the way that scammers operate is they do take advantage of a situation and people's willingness to listen to anyone or anything that is offering a perceived solution to the situation or offering to help. Like for instance, testing. If you get a call from somebody representing themselves to be a tester, you need to make sure that in fact, whatever test they're claiming they're offering you is the real deal. Has it been approved by the FDA? Have the CDC talked about it? If someone calls you claiming that they're a tracer, they can only ask you a couple things. The first thing is, I'm going to tell you your birthday. 
I need you to confirm to me that this is your birth date. So I know I'm talking to the right person. That's okay. They also have a right to say, are you manifesting any symptoms? Other than that, they can't disclose the name of the person who supposedly exposed you to COVID. They cannot ask you any questions at all involving personal identifiable information. All they can do then is tell you when, where, and how you could get a test. So, and it's just the same thing. If a bank calls you about transactions on your credit card and says anything to you other than just, I'd like to confirm some transactions, and they tell you the transactions. If they then go, just to prove you're you, could you please flip your card over and read me the security code? Hang up. If someone calls you from the Internal Revenue Service, they're not from the Internal Revenue Service. These are the kind of the common sense things you have to think about. But many people are so taken by the communication, either because it is creating fear or offering a solution like, I'm calling to talk about your stimulus check. I want to make sure that you get it. I need your social security number to make absolutely sure because we're worried there might be something wrong with your social security number and you, that it might have been stolen. But that's also why if you've been a victim of an identity theft, it's critical that you make sure that the Internal Revenue Service knows you've been a victim and then makes the proper change to your address because your stimulus check, and I think there'll be another round of stimulus checks, your stimulus check could be going to the person who stole your identity as opposed to you. Whenever you're dealing in an urban environment, you're dealing in a situation where there's a lot of noise, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of networks. That's why even for you as a consumer, when you walk in somewhere and you're offered a network and it's presumably secure, that you make sure that you're clicking on the right network link because there are many networks that are designed to um, look like the right network, but they're not. So yeah, you could be more vulnerable in an urban environment, but then again, oftentimes the technology is more sophisticated depending upon the city and depending upon the provider that you're using. Also, very important to make sure that you change the password on your router don't use manufacture default passwords. Change the passwords on your Internet of Things devices. And there are many of them. And read the manual. Change the password because the passwords on so many of these devices are manufactured default passwords that are available for sale on the dark web. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of VantageScore Solutions. This podcast is brought to you by Vantage Core Solutions, a higher level of confidence. Thanks for listening.